Welcome back, everybody. It's another brand new episode of the Crowd Noise Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Martinez, on a chilly Thursday in March, March 14th, 2019. But it's a special day. It's really cold. Uh, I'm not loving that. I got to be honest with you. But we are one week away from the tournament starting. Um, The countdown has begun. We are exactly seven days away. We're actually less if you're really counting, you know, minutes seconds and hours like I am. We're less than a full week from the tournament starting because the tournament starts uh, next Thursday at, not, it would be 9 a.m. Uh, Pacific, depending on when you, where, you know, where you live. It'll start at 9 and it'll end at 9, 12 straight hours from Thursday to Sunday, nothing but basketball. So actually, we're less than a full week. We are finally inside of a week, uh, counting down to March Madness. I, I cannot wait. I, I, it's fantastic. Championship week is this week. It's in full swing starting today. You know, they got the quarter quarterfinals uh, going on today. We got some big games in college basketball. Duke, Syracuse tonight. Uh, Carolina, Louisville tonight. There's some big games going on right now. I know uh, Virginia Tech is playing Florida State. That game it might have just gone final. I know it was, uh, that game was tied 48-48 with like three minutes left in the in the game. Uh, that win, the winner of that game will play Virginia. Um, the Big Ten. I mean, it's just great stuff. Just great college basketball this week. It's only going to get better next week. Gonzaga lost their uh, their conference tournament, so St. Mary's uh, possibly stealing a bid. Uh, not from Gonzaga. Gonzaga's getting in, obviously, but stealing a bid from another team like like Clemson. Um, you know, other bubble teams. Georgetown potentially. So we have some great stuff. Uh, this past, you know, since last week, since the last episode, NFL free agency has been bananas i mean it's been like the it's been like nba free agency there's just studs flying left and right brand new teams uh if you have last year's copy of madden it is not going to work for you next year it's one of those years i always like the years when you get madden and then nothing happens in free agency and then you can basically just keep you know the, the old copy and save yourself 60 bucks but when it's something like this and you have players jumping around from team to team you have no choice you have to get the updated roster because uh you know there's just so many so many changes going on uh, unbelievable. Some stuff, not so great stuff uh, going on in the NBA, specifically with James Dolan and uh, the Jazz fan base. Uh, we're going to get into that. And uh, of course, we have Quote of the Week every single week to finish off the show. So uh, we got some good stuff this week. We have some great stuff. It's only going to get better next week. I can't, I can't wait for next week's. Uh, that'll be on a Wednesday. I can't wait for the bracket extravaganza March Madness Palooza. I cannot wait for next Wednesday's episode. It's going to be a full hour and 20 minutes or however so of just pure March Madness coverage. Uh, Selection Sunday kind of gives it away in the title. Uh, Correctly named, I should say. Is this Sunday? I don't know what time specifically. Let me look that up for you. But Selection Sunday is this Sunday. That's when the tournament is uh, officially set. Uh, not counting the 32 automatic bids um, that are going on this week during Champ Week, so all the teams that didn't win their conference, they're going to have to be watching Selection Sunday. It's on uh, usually it's on TNT. Last year they had okay, this year it's on TBS. It's all part of the Turner family. TNT, TBS, they're all CBS. They're all the same channel basically. Um, and basically what it is, it's a great show. It's like an hour long. Last year they had the uh, Inside the NBA crew host it, which I thought was fun. Ernie Johnson's like the host. Uh, Kenny Smith is on there. Charles Barkley comes out too. And uh, they just announced the rest of the, the tournament bracket. So it's fun to see. You know, they'll show live footage of the teams who just found out they're making the tournament. And they go absolutely crazy. They have watch parties. So I definitely watch that. That's going to be 6 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. or excuse me, 9 p.m. Pacific uh, this Sunday on TBS. Can't wait. That's always so much fun. And then you have the first four games are usually on Wednesday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Uh, and then the tournament starts Thursday. So we are less than a week. We are less than a week away from March Madness. The best best weekend in all of sports. It's so much fun. I can't wait. So, you know, we're, we're getting ever so closer is March Madness. But we start today. We start this week. In the NFL, um, some big stuff like I said, just free agency out the wazoo. Whatever I couldn't think of a better um, analogy or phrase 
it's kind of cold so you know your brain doesn't operate as well when it's when it's cold like, i got i can't lie but we i mean there were some big you know some big moves uh, in the nfl and most of them weren't even free agency moves the big ones were through trades um First, let's get to the free agency ones. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, as predicted on this show way back when in January, uh, Le'Veon Bell to the New York Jets. Now, I don't think, I'm not going to give myself too much credit because it didn't really take full psychic Steve to, I mean, it felt like it was coming down to basically the Jets, the Colts, and that's it. Those are really the only two teams that Le'Veon Bell, you know, foreseeably could play for. So, um, you know, I kind of just narrowed it down and I, I figured... The Colts aren't going to be big spenders. They're normally not, and uh, they weren't. So he he went to the Jets. Um, he'll play with Sam Darnold next year, which is uh, you know a pretty good tandem, a pretty good running back uh, quarterback tandem. Obviously, I don't I would never say that's good enough to win the AFC East, but that makes them substantially, exponentially better. Threw in a big word there. It makes them exponentially better. Um, could they make the playoffs? potentially um I don't know we'll see because the AFC just got a whole lot better um there's gonna be a lot of good teams in the AFC next year team like let's just talk about you know the teams in the AFC that are gonna be even just contending for playoff spots the Chargers because I don't think they necessarily will beat out the Chiefs uh in the West you know that's that's a that's a real tough division you could go either way Chargers or Chiefs so let's count both of them Chargers and Chiefs there's two teams uh, in the AFC East, well, we're not going to count the Jets um, just yet. We're not counting them out, but I don't take them seriously as playoff contenders at the moment. But you look at the AFC North, good Lord, they got the Steelers, the Ravens, and the Browns. There's five teams right there. Um, AFC South, you have basically the whole division is up for grabs. Literally, the Colts, the Jaguars, the Texans, and the Titans. That's nine teams that I just listed. That's not even every single team uh, just, just yet. That could, that is going to be fighting for those six playoff spots. So I don't know if I would put the Jets in the playoff conversation just yet. I have to see them first. Um, but they did make a lot of improvement. They did. They brought in Le'Veon Bell, uh, obviously, and then they brought in C.J. Mosley as well. Is that right? Yeah, they brought. They also signed C.J. Mosley um, from the Ravens. So you know they did get better on both sides of the ball. So not completely out of the question that the Jets make the playoffs next year, but unlikely. Um, going to the AFC North now, which I just mentioned is going to be one of the best divisions in all of football next year. The Browns just brought in Odell Beckham Jr. Good Lord. I mean, yeah, the Browns, the Cleveland Browns traded for Odell Beckham Jr. My, I, I can't wait. The Browns all of a sudden are not only irrelevant, they are must see football. They're going to be one of the most exciting teams in the league next year. It's it's unbelievable. There is reason to have hope in the city of Cleveland, which has, which is a phrase that hasn't been uttered uh, since LeBron's won the finals was it, uh, against the Warriors. I don't know what year it was, but the three one year, and it hasn't been uh, said before that since like 1965. So it's been a long stretch um, of opportunities to have hope in the city of Cleveland, and this is now one. They're actually like top five, I think, in Super Bowl odds now. Let's pump the brakes on that. Are the Browns going to be good next year? Yes, absolutely. Um, are they going to be Super Bowl contenders? No, I would I would say absolutely not. Um, because again, the AFC is just so stacked. I mean, are they even going to win their division? That is not a guarantee. Will they make the playoffs? I would say yes. As of this very second, I would say yes, they're going to make the playoffs. Now that might change from now to September when I do my preseason predictions or rankings or whatever that might change but as of right now well do I think they'll make the playoffs yes do I do I think they'll win the AFC North I don't know uh please hold because you still have the Ravens who I mean they kind of did they took a step backwards I guess you could say um letting go of Eric Weddle and uh well hang on let me pump the brakes there I write my notes a little like throughout the week so right there I had the the Ravens took a step backwards they let go of Terrell Suggs they let go of CJ Mosley Leko, um, Eric Weddle. I almost said Terrell Suggs twice. Uh, but then they bring in Earl Thomas and Mark Ingram. So, I mean, you can't really say they took a step backwards. They did lose some, you know, veteran players, some captains, but they bring in fantastic players. Like Earl Thomas, he's probably the best safety in all of football. 
and Mark Ingram, who is, he's no slouch, all right? And for a team that loves to run the ball, he's going to have some big numbers there. Uh, but then what are we going to get out of Lamar Jackson? Is he going to be as effective in year two? I don't know. But I'm not writing off the Ravens. The Ravens are still going to be very good. Are they going to be as good as last year? I have no idea. The Steelers, the same thing. They lose their two best players. But their two replacements are no bums either. You have Juju Smith-Schuster and James Conner. Who, Juju Smith-Schuster really is the one who traded Antonio Brown. We'll get to him in just a second. Juju Smith-Schuster took Antonio Brown's job and then kicked him out of town. So I don't think it's, it is a downgrade. Obviously, Antonio Brown's a top three player at his position. But Juju Smith-Schuster is the reason that Antonio Brown was traded in the first place. And James Conner, statistically, and I know this because I basically gave him away for a bag of peanuts and fantasy, had, his numbers were statistically, statistically very nearly as good as Le'Veon Bell's. So there's not going to be a huge drop-off for Pittsburgh. They're not just going to fall off a cliff. So there's really no, I mean, guarantee that the Browns are going to win their division. Therefore, I cannot say they are a top five Super Bowl contender. And that's just in their division. Again, we're, we still haven't talked about the Chiefs who added Tyron Matthew. Um, the Colts, they didn't add anybody, but I expect them to get better. They were a year ahead of schedule. They had two rookies anchoring their, their both sides of the ball, Quinton Nelson and Darius Leonard. So the Colts are only going to get better. Um, the Jaguars should get better. Uh, bring it in Nick Foles, another free. I mean, it's just bananas. I love this. I love when the NFL starts to act like the NBA. And stars are moving around, and teams are, are trying to win now, and they're making efforts to bring in players. I did a whole thing last week about, about um, the Raiders trading for Antonio Brown and how it was, really doesn't make much sense to me. And it doesn't, but it's, it's interesting. I like things that are interesting. I don't like things that are boring. Antonio Brown to the Patriots is somewhat interesting, but it's mostly boring, right? Like you're, it's, it's interesting to talk about for a few days and then like you're not going to turn into, tune in to watch Patriots games because of Antonio Brown. You're going to tune in to watch Raiders games now just to see what Antonio Brown and John Gruden, you know, have been scheming up in his QB camp or whatever throughout the week. So it's, it's interesting. I don't see the Raiders as playoff contenders or contenders to win their division. They've gone from basically the worst team in the AFC West to now the third worst team or the third best team, I guess you can say, in the AFC West. This doesn't make them that much better. Um, Is he an improvement from Mari Cooper? Yes, absolutely. But they also got rid of Khalil Mack. Like, I don't understand what kind of... I thought the Raiders were under a 10-year rebuild. And now you bring in Antonio Brown, who's, I mean, he's not old. He's not Larry Fitzgerald, no disrespect to Larry Legend, but he's also not on the side of youth. He's not Odell Beckham Jr., right, which is, you know, we haven't really even gotten. This is what's so fantastic. All these moves are left and, you know, just they're popping up left and right. We haven't even had the chance to go in-depth on any of them. And the only one that I have gone in-depth on was last week, Antonio Brown, and that was before it even happened. So, um yeah, I don't, I don't see the Raiders improve. I don't understand this move one bit, but it is interesting. I have to say, I think this is good for the league that people are talking about NFL free agency the same way they're talking about, you know, NBA free agency or the hot stove in the MLB. I really think this is good for the sport of football that you have these guys moving around and getting the deals that they want. Le'Veon Bell got a monstrous contract from the Jets. Antonio Brown's now the highest paid receiver in the league after getting traded to the Raiders. Um, and that move... Okay, let's talk about the receivers being traded. Uh, that being Antonio Brown to the Raiders and Odell Beckham Jr. to the Cleveland Browns. I don't understand what either side was thinking as far as the, the Steelers or the Giants. More so the Giants than the Steelers, but let's talk about the Steelers first. We knew Antonio Brown was gone um, you know, from day one. And I say day one, meaning the day one of last season. We knew that it's it, the situation had reached a boiling boiling point, boiling point, and uh, the Steelers had they had to get rid of him. They had to move him, um, you know, because it just hit the relationship between him and Ben Roethlisberger was just deterior, deteriorating by the week. And you saw it on the field. His new favorite target was Juju Smith-Schuster. Antonio Brown had had enough and basically forced his way out of uh, Pittsburgh. Okay, fine. You have to move him. He's not working in the locker room. You choose Big Ben. Understandable. He's a two-time Super Bowl uh, champion. I understand. And again, receivers don't have the same kind of value to a team that a quarterback does. So I'm not going to argue with you there. If you want to side with Ben Roethlisberger, fine. But 
all you get in return for Antonio Brown, who is, like I said, a top three, top two receiver in the league, is a third round pick. I was saying last week that it's outrageous for Josh Rosen to be traded for a third round pick. And you traded Antonio Brown for a third round pick. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. I, I don't, they just gave him away for a moldy sandwich. I don't, the Steelers, they got nothing in return. And, you know, to that point, you know, good on the Raiders, I guess, because you didn't give up much. You know, again, I, I'm not a fan of you giving out Amari Cooper and Khalil Mack for Antonio Brown. But you only gave up a third-round pick in exchange. It didn't cost you any of those first-rounders that you got for those other two players, which even still I don't think were good trades anyway. But if we're looking at it as far as value, you only gave up a third-round pick for a top-two player at his position. That's a, that's a pretty good trade for the Raiders. Um, I don't know how much it makes their entire team better, but the Raiders are obviously clearly the winners in this deal. I don't understand why the Steelers... Did they not have any other offers? Like, I don't like another team. Why did other teams not get involved? If, if Antonio Brown only costs a third round pick, why did the Packers not get involved? Put him right next to Aaron Rodgers. I've been saying for the longest time, like the Packers were probably a dark horse team to make a move in Antonio Brown. And all it was going to cost them was a third round pick. And they don't make that move. I don't understand. Maybe I don't understand. You know, and of course we don't know what kind of offers the Steelers were, you know, juggling. Maybe the Packers Gave them an even maybe that was the best offer that the Steelers got. In which case, yeah, if you're the Raiders, should probably tell you something that people just aren't a big fan of Antonio Brown's character. Um, I mean that if that was the best offer you got, a third round pick, and there was a fifth round in there, but I don't care about it. No, who cares about the fifth round pick? Um, if all you get for Antonio Brown is a third round pick, that's your best offer. Why not just keep him? I mean, he's under contract. Make and if anything, you force him to, you know, you force his hand. Is he going to bust a Le'Veon Bell and just sit out? At that point, I mean, you have about the same value. Antonio Brown just sitting on the bench or a third round pick from the Raiders. Like, you know, I don't understand, you know, why other teams didn't make, uh, you know, a, a stronger push in Antonio Brown. And I don't understand in what world is Antonio Brown valued at a third round pick. It's just unbelievable. I mean, I don't understand that whatsoever. The Steelers look, you know, from this deal alone, I still think, obviously, the Steelers are a way better football team than the Raiders, even after this deal. But as far as just the trade going going off of the trade, the Raiders win this, you know, uh, TKO in the first round. It's unbelievable. I mean, I just can't believe how they were able to swindle the Pittsburgh Steelers like this. This is actually a great move by John Gruden. Will it pay off in the long run? No. Moving on to Odell Beckham Jr. now who is also traded for a not a moldy sandwich, but just a sandwich, maybe a hot Reuben with some nice pastrami. A better sandwich, but not by much. Um, Odell Beckham Jr., the Browns, for a first-round pick and Jabril Peppers. Now, that's it's not a third-round pick. You get a first-rounder and a first-round player, though Jabril Peppers is not you know one of the dominant safety. I don't even know what position he plays anymore. Um, he's just, you know, he's kind of a famous name at this point. He was a college legend at Michigan. Uh, he was a first-round pick by the Browns, and then they give them their first-round pick this year due the Cleveland Browns to the New York Giants. I almost said the, I almost said the New York Jets. Um, where did this come from? I had heard last week, before I did the show last Thursday, uh, or actually, no, I'm lying. Before I did the show this week, Jay Glazer was on Colin Cowder, and he said, Odell Beckham Jr. is going to the Browns. Now, Jay Glazer, I know, is, you know, what he says is nine times out of ten true. But this, I was like, no no way. I cannot. There's no way. This, how could this possibly happen? And then two days later, or when did Odell Beckham get? The point is, I saw Jay Glazer called. I'm giving credits to Jay Glazer. He called it before anybody. And even Colin Cowherd kind of looked at him like, I don't think that's going to happen. And then lo and behold, Odell Beckham Jr. gets traded to the Cleveland Browns. So, you know, all hats off to Jay Glazer. His sources are true. And, uh, you know, a lot of respect for him. Great job on, uh, to Jay Glazer. Not that he needs, you know, any recognition for me, but, uh, you know, just shouting him out there. Where did this come from? I mean, you sign Odell Beckham Jr. to this huge contract. At the time, I think he was the all-time highest-paid receiver. Now it's Antonio Brown, Mr. Big Chest. Um, and then they said at the, at, um, the Combine, we didn't sign Odell Beckham Jr. to trade him. Well, you know, cue the Curb Your Enthusiasm music because that's actually what you did. They gave him 
to uh, the Cleveland Browns, who I don't know. Let's let's talk about the Browns first, and then we'll talk about this trade from the Giants side second. The Browns, I mean, wow. Like I said, they are going to be mu- must-watch TV next year. I can't wait. I mean, uh, you know, Jarvis Landry, as obnoxious as he is, um, he's a good player, but I don't feel like he's a true number one wide receiver. If you can have a good enough team where Jarvis Landry is your number two receiver, I mean, good Lord, you have the opposite of a problem, and that's exactly what the Cleveland Browns have. Uh, They were college roommates at LSU, so you already have great chemistry there. Baker Mayfield's a great team guy. He's a great leader. Um, Nick Chubb was fantastic in his rookie season. Mind you, the Browns still have Kareem Hunt. Um, He'll be back pending suspension. I think it's probably going to be 10 games, but even still, you're not going to be waiting for him because you have a solid backup uh, in Nick Chubb. They still have Miles Garrett, who's one of the most disrupted defensive players in all the league. The Cleveland Browns are going to be serious contenders to win the AFC North. That's going to be one of the best divisions to watch in football next year, like I said, with the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Browns, and then the, the Bengals are pretty much an afterthought. Speaking of the Bengals, why didn't they go after Antonio Brown or uh, Odell Beckham Jr. if it was only going to cost him a third-round pick or a first-rounder? Pair him alongside A.J. Green? Good Lord, that'd be something scary also. But they didn't, so, you know, uh, that's how Mafia works. Um, you know, I don't think, again, I don't see the Browns as Super Bowl contenders because that's what everyone, uh, that's the first thing everyone was saying. You know, they looked at the Vegas betting odds. They were like fifth best, I think, or top 10 best Super Bowl betting odds in Vegas. If you ask me, are they a Super Bowl contender? I would say no. No, I don't think the Cleveland Browns are Super Bowl contenders, but they will make the playoffs. I do feel pretty strongly about the Cleveland Browns making the playoffs next year. How could they not? The only, and here's the thing, it's not even their roster. It's not that I don't like Odell Beckham Jr. I feel, this is my feelings towards Odell Beckham. I'm just going to start saying OBJ. I feel like he's the most talented receiver in all of football. He has the most talent, more talent than anyone else. The only reason he's not the best receiver in all of football is because of his injury history. If he wasn't injured so often, which I mean, guys really can't control. You can try your best to prevent injuries, but you can't, because if you could control injuries, no one would ever get hurt ever. Um, if he had less of an injury history, I would say Odell Beckham, OBJ is the best receiver in all of football. He is that good. And Baker Mayfield, he's got an arm. He's accurate. I mean, we he had a fantastic rookie campaign. Broke the all-time rookie touchdown record. Uh, so he's no joke. Uh, you pair him alongside Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr., who are best buds. You know, there's not, there's not going to be... Comp, uh, conflict there like there was with Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster um there's not going to be you know egos you have David Njoku still at the tight end Nick I mean the Browns are going to be good the biggest problem for the Browns not the roster it's their head coach and this is another Colin Cowherd line that I'm stealing which is you know is a pretty good one um I watch a lot of Colin Cowherd you know I don't steal any takes from him I steal you know these this little it's a little phrase but I already kind of felt this way he just worded it in a way that I really liked and I'm going to kind of borrow, but I'm giving him credit. I'm not plagiarizing. Um, We don't know for a fact if Freddie Kitchens is the worst coach in the NFL. We really don't. That was from, uh, you know, quote Colin Cowher. That's not the quote of the week, but it's true. I mean, he's a rookie head coach. He's never had, he hasn't even had coordinator, uh, you know, history. It's like he was an interim, you know, for like three weeks after the Hugh Jackson, you know, after he was fired, we don't know how Freddie Kitchens is going to be as an NFL head coach. We really don't. And that's my biggest problem with the Browns. If Outside of that, I would say they're the favorites. And then I'd put the Steelers, uh, you know, as the second best team in the AFC North. Probably, you know, those would be the two teams, you know, gunning it out for the division title there. But we don't know what we're going to get from Freddie Kitchens. We have no idea if that's going to work out. We really don't. The roster is great. You would think, how could you mess this up? you can mess this, these things up. Believe me, if you hire the wrong guy, it will destroy a whole team. It'll destroy chemistry. It, it just ruins everything. We don't know. And by, you know, conversely, we don't know if Freddie Kitchens is the best coach in the NFL. I doubt it, but you know, there, there is that possibility um, that he is that good or that bad. We really, only time will tell, um, but the Browns will make the playoffs. I really feel pretty strongly about that. Will they win the division? You know, I have no idea. I gotta be honest. I'm not gonna lie to you. I should know because I have this this podcast, but I I, I don't. I really because that division is going to be tough, and we don't know what we're going to get from Freddie Kitchens. Breaking down the Giants side of this trade, I have no idea what they are doing in New York. 
I have no idea what is similar to the Raiders. I have no idea what the plan is. Are we trying to win? Are we trying to rebuild? What is the deal with airline food? I have, I just don't understand what the Jets are trying to do. You sign Odell Beckham Jr. and then you you draft uh, Saquon Barkley, which is signs to me that they're trying to win. Okay, fine. I mean, if you want to get you know squeeze out the last bit of juice from Eli Manning and you want to go all in, fine. That's okay. I'm not gonna. He's a he's also converted to Ben Roethlisberger, a two-time Super Bowl champion. He's been declining. There is no arguing there. But if you feel like he has a few, you have one more run left in you, go for it. But then they trade him away. They trade Odell Beckham Jr. away from almost no, What are you going to get in that first round? And it's not the traditional Cleveland Browns first round pick, top 10. I think it's like top 20 or top 17. I think it's like the 15th pick or something like that. I'm not going to look it up. But it's, it's not great. It's not a top 10. I know that for sure. So how much value are you going to get out of that? And Jabril Peppers, he's not a, a bust or a terrible player, but he's not hes not a pro bowler. He's not a, I don't even know if he's a starter on, on the job. On the, well, he might be, actually, because they got rid of Landon Collins. That's another thing. They got rid of Landon Collins as well. They just let him walk and in division. Now, the Washington, Washington, the Redskins have him now. I've been debating if I want to say their team name or not. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm still kind of on the fence about that. But anyway... The Redskins picked up Landon Collins. You ship out Odell Beckham Jr. for a pastrami sandwich, like we said earlier. What is... I don't understand what they're doing. If you're trying to rebuild... Fine. I don't know. They kind of haven't... This kind of came out of nowhere. If you wanted to rebuild, last year was the year to start doing it because of the quarterback class. But then, conversely, you wouldn't have Saquon Barkley. And then you still wouldn't have Odell Beckham Jr., so, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what they're going to do, but speaking of that quarterback class, there just so happens to be someone from that class on the market. This is what the New York Giants need to do. If they want Oh, and then get this. Before I get to this next point. Today they just signed Golden Tate. So, what is your I mean, if you say to me, if you're telling me if, if you're the Giants and you're saying we're going to rebuild, we're shipping out Odell Beckham, we're keeping Saquon and we want to plan for the future, I don't think that was the greatest move anyway, but fine. Okay, I guess you want to free up cap space for the future. Okay, fine. But then you bring in Golden Tate on like a four-year deal. That's your response? You get rid of Odell Beckham Jr. and your response is to replace him with Golden Tate. So that tells me you're not rebuilding, that you're trying to win right now, but you're not going to win without Odell Beckham Jr. You're just not. I'd like this move if they had Golden Tate and Odell Beckham. Then you'd have Odell Beckham uh, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, and Saquon Barkley, and Evan Ingram. Now that's that's a legit roster. And then you bring back Landon Collins as well. That's a legit team. But they let Landon Collins walk. They give away Odell Beckham. Then they bring in Golden Tate. I have no. I, I don't understand what they're even more dysfunctional right now than the Raiders. I mean, there. I said it. It's unbelievable that the Giants are a worse run franchise right now than the Oakland Raiders. It's unbelievable. And what my next point was going to be is that the Giants should trade for Josh Rosen. If they want to really sell people, we're rebuilding and this is our future, uh, you know, we're giving up on Eli, we're getting rid, we're getting rid, getting rid of a Odell Beckham Jr. because we're trying to win later, not right now. They need to trade for Josh Rosen. And I think his value is dropped, unfortunately. I really like Josh Rosen, you guys know that. But his value has to be dropped. And the reason I say that is because Antonio Brown, Mr. Big Chest, just went for a third-round pick. So the Arizona Cardinals cannot go around shopping Josh Rosen for the same value as Antonio Brown. It's no way. It's impossible. So give up a fourth and maybe a third next year or in two years or something like that. Bring in Josh Rosen. Have him sit this year and then go forward with your, your core of Josh Rosen and Saquon Barkley. I have a little bit of hope for that. That gives me some level of optimism for the Giants. But if you, I mean, anything outside of that, I have no idea what the Giants' game plan is. I don't even know if the Giants know what their game plan is right now. What I would love to see is them go pick up Josh Rosen and then have, because he's not going, one of the teams that I felt like he could go to was the Saints, you know, because Drew Brees is an aging quarterback, potentially the Patriots. You know, that would be scary if Josh Rosen sat behind Tom Brady. Um, but the Saints said that, you know, Teddy Bridgewater's their guy for the future. Okay, fine. I'm not going to argue. That's a pretty good, it's a solid move. You know what you're getting from Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, the Patriots would probably not go after Josh Rosen considering they almost 
destroy their whole franchise over Jimmy G. If you bring in Josh Rosen, it's I don't even that'll destroy the Patriots dynasty. So I'd love to see the Giants go after Josh Rosen and then build for the future that way. What they're doing right now though is not I don't I don't like where they're headed. They are they really just have no game plan in New York. Uh, if you want to right the ship, my advice, trade for Josh Rosen. Moving on to the National Basketball Association, who had not a very good week as far from a PR standpoint. Uh, I'm sure you've heard already, but I just want to get my own kind of take out there. I know a lot of people are kind of, it's already kind of, you know, passed already. The situation has been diffused. But there's a reason why I want to talk about this really quick. And I'm just going to, I don't it's not going to be half an hour like the NFL uh, segment, but I really just want to get this out there. Um, and well, here we go. Uh, I don't know what day it was, but earlier in the week, the Oklahoma City Thunder were in Salt Lake City playing the Jazz. Um, and a fan, you know, fans always heckle players. It's it's just, I hate to say this, but part of the game. It is, you know, because we all talk about the home field advantages, the home court advantages, um, in all levels of all sports. You know, fans, they cheer for their team and they jeer the opponent. That's fine. That is a part of the game where... I draw the line, and where I think most everyone draws the line is when it gets explicit, because there are families, especially in professional sports, because there are families there, um, you know, it gets racial, as it did in Salt Lake City, and when it gets, you know, just kind of crossing the line, you know, offensive, I, if you know what I'm talking about, great, if not, well, you, should, you know what I'm talking about, if it just, if they, fans are just crossing the line, they're being explicit, they're being racist, they're being sexist. It, you know, that, is, that has no place in any game, in any sport. Jeering, trash talk, you know, back and forth. Yeah, sure, it's part, that is part of the game. You know, part of the, the experience, you know, going to an NBA game and for the players, you know, that's part of what makes playing on the road so tough is you have to deal with, you know, fans, you know, screaming at you. But the NBA has had multiple instances, instances specifically with Russell Westbrook. Um, happened last year in Utah. I think like twice because they played the Jazz uh, in the playoffs last year. It happened a few times where he got into an altercation with a fan. Um, last year, Denver, a fan ran onto the court and got in Russell Westbrook's face. That is completely unacceptable. Earlier this season in Denver, uh, a young boy kind of pushed Russell Westbrook. He was sitting courtside um, and Russell Westbrook turned around, you know, and then he realized it was just a kid. And he tried to defuse the situation. I thought he handled it perfectly. Um, and I just have to say, what is, you know, this cannot happen. And it's not, I would not put this on Russell Westbrook. I'm not saying it's his fault. I am completely on his side here. Um, and I don't know why fans, maybe because, you know, he does, he's such an emotional guy. He plays with such raw passion. You know, he's in the heat of the moment. When fans are yelling at him, yeah, he's going to snap back because he's, you know, trying to focus on this game. He's doing his job first and foremost, and you're yelling these things at him. You're physically encountering with him, and yeah, he's he's going to snap. And I think fan, these fans, these hecklers, want that attention. So yes, they're going to attack. I think that's the point. Not that Russell Westbrook is getting into trouble with the fans. It's that the fans are attacking Russell Westbrook because he know he's, they know he's going to respond. And they know they're going to be in, in the headlines and on the news the next day, which is a problem. We should not be targeting specific players. And some players handle it differently. And I'm not saying that Russell Westbrook didn't handle it correctly. He has every right to do, handle it however way he feels like. Okay, but, you know, LeBron James, he's the most scrutinized player of all time. He just doesn't respond. Not to say that he doesn't get heckled. You can, like, he's the most scrutinized player in the history of sports. He's heard the worst of it. He, he just, you know, moves on. That's just, that's his choice to just ignore it. You know, so Russell Westbrook also, by the way, I mean, he, he does respond. He does yell back at fans. And we're going to get to that, that Utah situation in just a second. But it isn't, it's not malice at the palace. He's not jumping in the stands and punching people in the face. Although at this point, I feel like he has every right to. I would not be mad at Russell Westbrook if he punched a fan in the face. I really wouldn't. Because people have to learn. They have to find out. And like he said, he said in the past, people would not yell the kind of stuff they're yelling at him if they just saw him in the street. Why? Because there's no quote-unquote barrier. They know he's not going to do anything during the games. 
It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous that fans think that they can just yell whatever they want to, to players like they're zoo animals. They're not. And Odo, going back to OBJ, he said that on the shop, you know, that he feels like a zoo animal sometimes because people just come to watch him, you know, literally just come to watch him like, like a performance and they yell at him, dance OBJ, or they just yell, you know, ne- that's not negative, but they're like, they can just command him, hey, dance for me. Like, that's ter- that cannot happen. You know, fans have to understand these are human beings. They also, like Russell Westbrook has said it to me, he has a family, he's a grown man. And you're yelling, you're another grown man and you're yelling these things at this guy. Why? Because you think he's not going to do anything. You want to find out if he's going to do something? I keep going. Actually, don't. Don't keep. That's the whole point. That's not the point. The point is to not keep. We should not be attacking these players. Uh, the fan said, uh, going back to this, now talking about the situation in specific. The fan yelled at Russell Westbrook. They were going back and forth and he yelled, why don't you, Russell Westbrook heard, why don't you get down on your knees like you're used to? And then the fan interviewed after the game. And again, you know, cameras all in his face. He was trending number one in Twitter in the nation the next morning. Said, I told him, go ice your knees like you're used to. Um, do I believe that, you know, it could have been misconstrued, you know, in, in, you know, with the noise level of the arena and maybe, you know, they're not hearing each other clearly? Sure. But does that mean I'm taking the fans? Absolutely not. I'm not siding with the fan on this one. I'm pretty sure he said what Russell Westbrook heard him say. So, I mean, I'm not really taking the side of the fan here. I'm kind of siding with Russell Westbrook because it's happened to Russell Westbrook in that arena before. Uh, And the next morning, I really like this. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, he's a star player for the Utah Jazz, kind of stepped up in Russell Westbrook's defense and stepped up in the defense of the Salt Lake City community, which I like because this is not, and he said this, it's not indicative of the entire city. This is not the entire city's, you know, what this guy does not represent the entire city. There are a small few number of fans in any city, not just Salt Lake, but in any city there are, you know, a small number of fans or a big number of fans, depending on where you are. Uh, there is a small too big number of fans who get out of line. You know, they get out of line, they, they, they start yelling at these players, they start heckling them, and it goes past even heckling, it gets to another level after that. Um, but he says, you know, this is not indicative of our community. Apologize to Russell Westbrook, and he asked the fans to do better and take a stand. If you hear someone and you see someone being obnoxious, shut them down. You have as much power as the players do in the sense that you can stop these people from being obnoxious, and don't let them represent your city that way. Don't let them represent your fan base in that manner. So I really, Donovan Mitchell handled it, handled it fantastic. Uh, Russell Westbrook was not suspended, but he was fined because um, he did. He was full of um, expletives, to say you know, say the least. Uh, and I don't have any problem with that. The reason what Russell Westbrook was fined was for three words, and the three words are, "and your wife." And what, the, what Russell Westbrook said was, I will F you up. Believe that. I will F you up. You and your wife. And I think that's where the NBA said, we cannot have that kind of response. If Russell Westbrook, and of course, he's in the heat of the moment. I don't expect him to be politically correct if a fan is just jawing at him nonstop for two and a half hours. I don't know if I would be able to keep my composure at that point either. But the NBA, just for they cannot have that kind of quote, you know, go unpunished. They had to find it. It was 25000 not a big deal. Um, but at, honestly, I would, I would not be upset if Russell Westbrook actually physically engaged the fan, you know, and, and really said, you know, try, tested him, see how, how tough are you now. You want to keep jawing at me the whole, you know, the whole game? You're on my case and you think I'm not going to do any, anything? And that's what it's going to take. Unfortunately, a fan is just waiting for Russell Westbrook to do something physically. And then they're going to turn around and spit in as a lawsuit and sue him and the NBA, Adam Silver, for everything they have, which is terrible. These fans are sadistic. You know, they are going in. This, this is completely planned. This whole thing was just planned. It was, it was uh, orchestrated. It wasn't just in the heat of the game, it, you know, close game. We're going to start trying to throw them up. No, this was planned. This, they had this in mind days before they were going to the game, which is not right. And rightfully so. The Utah Jazz banned this fan from from their games forever. He's permanently banned, which you know, which is the absolutely the right thing to do. If I were Adam Silver, I would ban this person 
from NBA games permanently. You're not allowed to watch us in person. I don't care where you are. You don't get to come back to our games ever. And that sends a message to anyone else who wants to attack these players. He should be banned from the entire NBA. I really feel like that. I, I would ban him. You already know who he is. It's, he should be banned from the entire league. That's what I would do. He really should be punished that far because it's not fair to Russell Westbrook. It's really not. And it's, and it's happened multiple times in this city. So, and like I said, it was planned. This thing was orchestrated. This was, this was a conscious effort to get a response out of Russell Westbrook. He should be banned from the NBA permanently. Speaking of people being banned from an arena permanently, James Dolan. He's not banned, though he should be. That's the point of this argument. He banned a fan for shouting as James Dolan walked out of the uh, MSG, sell the team. He shouted at James Dolan. I don't know the, the name of the guy, but he's, I don't know the name of the guy for the Russell Westbrook thing either, but I just know he's human scum. He said, he said sell the team. He shouted at James Dolan. And James Dolan, you know, here's, here's my argument with it. Well, let me just get through this. He turns around. He has the audacity. He's a billionaire to stop and address the fan say, that's rude. That's not. And then the fan goes, that's just my opinion. I, I feel like you should sell the team. You're a terrible owner. He didn't even say you're a terrible owner, though he is. He's had one playoff victory in the past 20 odd years. Um, and James Dolan says, you know what, how, how, do you, how would you like to see, watch the Knicks on TV for the rest of your life? And the fan, I don't, you can't really hear what the fan, it's loud, it's kind of muddled a little bit, the noise level. Uh, and then he says, he tells the security, him, that guy, get him out of here. And then he says, that he goes on TV the next day and says he's never coming back. He's permanently banned. I can't see, allow him back into the arena. Are you kidding me? You're James Dolan, a billionaire. You own the most valuable franchise in basketball, the New York Knicks, who many people, I mean, it, and it's not even many people, it's just a fact. The only reason they're as terrible as they are is because of James Dolan. And in that interview, he couldn't even list the, the names of his players without looking at a sheet of paper. He didn't even know who plays for his teams without looking at a sheet of paper. In that same interview where he had the audacity, he had to assert himself, no, this fan who's spending, the, the worst offense that fan committed that day was spending his money on the Knicks. Okay, that was the dumbest thing he did that day was spending money on Knicks tickets to watch that god-awful basketball team. And James Dolan picks him out and says, you're gone, you're done, you're never coming back here. And that's my problem with this um, scenario here. The Jazz banned a fan for using racial slurs, as they should. And like I said, I would go a step further. I would ban him from the NBA. He should never be allowed to watch NBA basketball again in person. Um... And James Dolan, the very, I think it was the next day, banned a fan for not using uh, explicit language. You know, and it wasn't, like I said earlier, heckling and jeering by the fans, that, to an extent, is part of the game. It's always going to be a part of the game. It, it just is. It's a fact, fact of life. And he was not explicit. And it wasn't, you know, I guess it was derogatory. But is it really? Obviously, James Dolan is not a very good owner. He's only won, like I said, he's only won one playoff game in 20 plus, excuse me, one playoff series in 20 plus years. He probably should sell the team. Is, is the fan wrong at that point? Is he wrong to want a better team? He wants his team to succeed. He's tired of seeing the Knicks tank for the past 15 years. This is actually a guy who cares about the Knicks and you're kicking him out permanently for life. Adam Silver, while he should ban the fan from uh, Utah, for life, he should ban James Dolan for life as well. There has to be a way that Adam Silver can step in and force a sale uh, of the Knicks. James Dolan cannot be allowed. He can't be go un. He cannot go unpunished for this. So ridiculous. You have a fan who's kicked out for racial slurs as he should be, and then the next day you have a fan who gives, who says, "Sell the team," and he's banned. What kind of double standard is that? You know, and it's it's really. I thought it was interesting that these things happen, you know, within days of each other. They're kind of the same situ uh, situation, but they're on different ends of the spectrum. You have one who's using racial slurs and he should be banned forever. And then you have another guy who's, you know, speaking facts only, the Knicks are no good and James Dolan is the problem with that team. And then you kick him out. There has to, Adam Silver has to do something about this. James Dolan is the worst owner 
in all of sports. He really, he's truly the worst owner in all of North American sports. I know I use that phrase a lot, but it's quite frankly true in this situation. Is he going to ban me? Am I going to be banned from Apple Podcasts now because I'm talking about James Dolan? I don't know if he has that kind of pull or not, but he's a billionaire. So anytime you have, you're, you have you know, eight figures, you have pull everywhere. But that's not the point. The point is, James Dolan, Russell Westbrook is handling these racial attacks and I'm not, I don't know if it's night in and night out, but we know he's being attacked verbally night in and night out everywhere he goes. I'm sure even at home there are fans of the, uh, the visiting team who are attacking Russell Westbrook in Oklahoma City. He has to deal with this every single game. This is the one game that you just decided to show up and you got heckled kind of and you're kicking this guy out. So that's where I'm kind of, I kind of draw the line. The Knicks fan, that's what I would categorize as part of the game. The Jazz fan, I would say this has no place anywhere. Not in sports, not in you know our common culture, nowhere. And James Dolan gave him the same kind of punishment as the Jazz did to, this, to the racist fan. It's unbelievable. James Dolan should be ashamed of himself. And that's the problem. He's not. He's a despicable human being. And he's rich. He's filthy rich. I guess when you're rich, you can do a lot of things. But it doesn't mean it doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. I think the NBA should try and force the sale of the Knicks and get James Dolan out of their league. Now moving on to a more fun basketball topic, I guess you could say. Uh, college basketball's championship week this week, and like I said, we are officially within one week of the March Madness tournament. And uh I don't know how many times I, I can say I can't wait because I can't. March Madness is my favorite sporting event all year long. I mean, it's my, it's more fun in the World Series. I think it's more fun than the NBA Finals um, because it's just it's so it's so much so quickly. Like I said, it's from Thursday to Sunday, and that's just the first weekend. There's I mean, it goes on from March all the way into April. But the best part of it is is the first weekend. I mean, no one's going to argue that. Because that's when you have just nonstop basketball. It's frequent. And then you have those unbelievable upsets that just, I mean, they're jaw, they're literally jaw-dropping. All the cliches, jaw-dropping, I mean, hands on your surrender cobra. All that stuff actually happens during March Madness. I mean, it's just so much fun. Um, and we have some big games setting up March Madness today and for the rest of the weekend. I think, what did I say last week? That the, a lot of the conferences were going to end on the 16th. Today's the 14th. Yes, so most conferences are going to crown a champion Excuse me. by this Saturday, the 16th. And then I think there's one. I think the Big Ten Conference crowns a champion on Selection Sunday, actually. Um, So that will be like Sunday morning, I would assume. I'm not sure. I think the Big Ten is the last team to crown a champion and get an automatic bid. But obviously, it will be before Selection Sunday. So whether it's Saturday... And they just or or Sunday morning, uh, the Big Ten will be the last conference to uh, get that automatic big. Not that that matters too much. I mean, it may if you're a bubble team, it might matter a lot. But I'm not a bubble team, and so I don't really care about the Big Ten. Um, you know, they have well, they have Michigan and Michigan State, but I don't see any of uh, those teams as like, you know, title contenders. Uh, but so actually, March Madness, the teams that you don't think are going to win are probably going to win it all. So actually, I should make a bracket. <clears throat> Excuse me. Please excuse my uh, coffee. I start to run out of I start to run out of gas towards the end of that show. Um, the teams that you don't think are going to win the whole thing are probably going to be the teams that win the whole thing. So I will definitely make two brackets with uh, Michigan and Michigan State. Um, yeah, we have conference tournaments this weekend, and they're going to be great. I have some games here that you definitely should watch. ACC games. Um, and then the Amer- I remember I told you guys the most important conference you should watch this weekend. If you only watch one conference, watch the American Conference Tournament. Not because they're great, not because, of course, you want to see Duke and Carolina. Watch that too because we're going to get Duke-Carolina round three. Um, but it's more important to watch the American because you haven't seen as much as these teams. And they have good teams in the American Conference. They have UCF, uh, they have Houston and Cincinnati. There are good teams. UConn could possibly squeak their way in there if they win the whole thing. I don't know. Um, there Memphis. There is a good team. I don't know if they can squeak in even as a bubble. They'll probably have to win uh, the entire thing to get that automatic bid. But it's a good conference. There are good teams and teams that are going to be in the tournament. And when you're filling out your bracket, 100% of the teams in your bracket 
are playing in the tournament. So you have to have watched these teams to have any idea about filling out your bracket. So uh, here we go. Here's some uh, games for you to watch this weekend. Uh, tonight, this is AC. These are ACC games. Duke and Syracuse. Or let me, let me reverse it. I had the times uh, mixed up. The first game tonight. Well, it's not the first game tonight, but the first one I'm listing. Carolina and Louisville. Now, Louisville, I watched the game last night tentatively. I'm not going to lie. I kind of peeked in and peeked out only because they were playing Notre Dame. And uh, Notre Dame is by far the worst team in the ACC. They won the first round of the ACC tournament, so hats off to them. But that's as far as they were ever going to get. They got pummeled by Louisville last night. Uh, actually, promoting myself here. I got my first, As I was watching the Louisville-Notre Dame game, going back and forth, I got my first Tetris 99 win. So if you don't know what that is, uh, don't feel bad because no one does except for me. But I finally won a game of Tetris 99. So, uh, you know, it was a good day for me yesterday. Um, Louisville put it on Notre Dame real bad. North Carolina was actually at the game. They were watching, they were watching the game as it was going on. It was kind of like uh, high school tournaments when you show up early to, you know, potentially your next round opponent. You kind of watch them and you let them know. It's really not even about watching what they do. It's about letting them know, like, hey, we're, we're ready for you. Um, yeah, so Carolina, they're probably going to win that game. But it will be a solid game. Louisville is not a team to be slept on. They will make the tournament as well. I think even if they lose tonight, I don't think they necessarily have to win the ACC. They're a bubble team, but they should be comfortably in. They'll probably be an 8, 9, 10 seed, I would assume. You know, in the bottom half of the each of each bracket, but they'll be in. So, uh, you know, there's two tournament teams there. That's at 4 p.m. Pacific. And then right after that, back-to-back, um, 6 p.m. Pacific, Duke and Syracuse. And this is a huge game. Not because these are two of my favorite programs in the country. I love Duke basketball and I love Jim Beheim and Syracuse. Um, you know, these are two, they're like, they're my two favorites or two of my favorites college basketball programs. Um, but that's not the reason you should watch this game. Not because I like these two schools because I was going to give him a, I was talking to my friend the other day. Ben uh, Babadook, if you're out there, uh, shout out to Ben. Zion is like Thanos. I mean, they're just like freaks of nature. It was We have weird conversations. But anyway, he's back. Zion is back. He's making his uh, return tonight in the ACC tournament, which I assumed he would. I assumed if he came back, um, he would come back, you know, during the ACC tournament. I would have liked to have seen him against Wake Forest. I think that was the idea. I think they wanted to get him to play against Wake Forest. But he just wasn't ready, so they said, we'll just wait. We'll give him another week. And lo and behold, he is playing tonight. So that's great. You want to see what Duke is going to look like, you know, in their first game back from Zion. So, you know, even though I said the most important one to pay attention to is the American Conference, you do you should pay attention to Duke as well because how are they going to look? Is there going to be rust from Zion? Um, it's going to be really interesting. So this close to the tournament, you're going to see almost a completely different Duke team. They're not going to be as good as they were before Zion got hurt because, they're like I said, there's going to be rust and R.J. Barrett's kind of been like the James Harden of that team single-handedly, uh, you know, scoring, scoring points for them. So uh, is there going to be kind of a readjustment? I don't know. We're going to have to tune in to see. Tonight, 6 p.m. Pacific, that'll be on ESPN. Um, I kind of feel bad for – I mean, not that I feel bad for Syracuse, but, man, looked like they were going to have a chance to make kind of a solid run in the tournament, maybe even, you know, get to the championship. And then Zion's – the first game uh, – well, not your first game, but – your first game against a big school, a legit contender, Zion Williamson comes back. It's his first game back. So I think Syracuse will make it interesting. They beat Duke with Zion Williamson, but I think all the momentum and the hype with him coming back, I don't see Duke losing tonight. So I'll take Duke over Syracuse and Carolina over Louisville. Setting up tomorrow, Tobacco Road Round 3, and that game is going to be off the chats. That game is going to be fantastic because, again, it's the first time Technically, Zion Williamson will have played North Carolina, so you want to see how North Carolina is going to react, and you want to see how good Duke is with Zion Williamson this late in the season. It's going to be a great game. Can't wait to watch that. Virginia, the other great team in the ACC. Um, I like Virginia too. I love all these. The ACC is my favorite basketball conference. Uh, you know, I like Michael Wilbon. I love pardon the interruption, but I have to disagree. He says Big Ten is a big conference in basketball. I cannot agree. I just the ACC is the best conference. In college basketball, no, I mean, how do you do Carolina, Virginia, Virginia Tech is really good. Louisville, I said, is good. I said earlier is really good. How do you, 
How do you go against the ACC? I mean, I, I just can't see it. see it. Syracuse is also really good. Forgot to mention them. There's six teams versus in the Big Ten. You have Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Purdue is really good. Um, and then after that, I don't know how many other teams. Ohio State, maybe? Like, no, there's not as many good teams in the Big Ten as there are in the ACC. Um, you know, so getting back to Virginia, they played today. They played at an early game. The comp, uh, championship week is like, uh, you know, the March Madness tournament in the sense that there are games all day, but not every game is, you know, worth watching. This is one of those games. It was NC State and uh, Virginia. And Virginia, they, they rolled. They do what they do to a lot of teams. They won by 20. And uh, Kyle Guy is one of my favorite players in the country. I have a lot of favorites in this show. Uh, he had 29 points uh, to go along with seven three-pointers. 29 points in a conference tournament game. Virginia tomorrow will play the winner of Florida State and Virginia Tech. That game has gone final. Let me check that for you right here uh, really, really quick. Um, yeah, that was a tied game when we started the podcast. And uh, there was only like two minutes left in that in that in that half but i had to get the show going okay so uh wow florida state they beat virginia tech uh 65 63 so it will be tomorrow virginia and florida state in the quarter quarter <laughs> now i have i do that boston accent every now and again and now i'm starting to develop it the quarterfinals uh tom friggin brady uh it'll be virginia and florida state in that uh quarterfinals Tomorrow. So the ACC tournament, it's going to be tons of fun. I expect Virginia to win that too. I want to see Virginia against the Tobacco Road winner. That'll be the best game of the weekend of championship wing, uh, championship week, uh, I assume. I kind of feel like Virginia's going to win the whole thing. They won it last year. Uh, my favorite team, if I have to be honest, my favorite team to win it, the whole thing, if I had to pick a team right now this second um, who I think is going to win the, the entire tournament, I'd have to say Carolina. Right now, Carolina is my pick to win the national title, and that could change from now until Sunday when the brackets come out and you know I see these conference games. That could change, but as of right now, I would say Carolina, but I do think Virginia will beat them um, you know, in the conference championship. I don't know what that I don't know what to do with that logic. Carolina is the best team, but Virginia's gonna beat them. I don't know. I mean, Gonzaga lost to St. Mary, so anything can happen. I mean, so it's not out of the question that Carolina could lose in the conference championship and then win the whole tournament so if i had to pick right now i would say north carolina um but depending on how they play against duke and uh, or even louisville that that could change over the weekend but um yeah so there's that moving on to the american conference the most important conference tournament you should be watching this weekend there's only a few because they're not a whole lot of teams that are worth watching but the teams that are in there you definitely need to watch them um friday that's tomorrow uh UConn and Houston. Houston was top 10 ranked in the country at one point of this season. They will play 9 a.m. Pacific, so that's an early one. Make sure you set your alarm. You get your Wheaties ready to watch uh, tomorrow, Friday morning. UConn will play Houston. And then also tomorrow, after that game, 11 a.m. Pacific, UCF will play the winner of Memphis and Tulane. Now, let me click. Is that game? I don't think that game has started yet. I think that game... Starts tonight, Memphis and Tulane. And actually, no, it's already gone final, 83-68 Memphis. So it will be UCF, uh, the Golden Knights, Taco Fall against Penny Hardaway. Not playing, unfortunately, uh, and the Memphis Tigers. So that's going to be, those are two good games to watch. UCF is definitely going to get in. Houston is definitely going to get in. But you have to get a feel for them because you don't know where you're going to place them once that you know, the tournament comes rolling around and it's right around the corner. So you've got to be watching those. I expect Houston to probably win the whole conference. Um, but you got to get a feel for those. Teams. I only seen them play once and it was when they played each other, um, UCF and Houston. That was the game that Houston won. Excuse me, UCF, UCF won in Houston. So, uh, you know, one game is not enough. You want to see those teams play as much as you possibly can. Uh, this is the Obviously, it's the closest point in the season to the tournament. So you're going to have a really... Good idea of what the what these teams are looking like heading into next week. So uh, there you go. Those are the games that I implore you to watch over the weekend. And these aren't even counting the games that could potentially take place, you know, depending on who wins and who loses and how the brackets shake out. Um, I expect Virginia to get to the ACC championship. I have no idea who's going to the ACC championship on the other side of the bracket. You have Syracuse, who could beat Duke. I don't think they will, but they are, you know, uh, they're, they're going to give Duke Duke all they can handle. Um, obviously Duke, they, I expect them to win that game, and then Carolina. So you have three teams on the other side of the bracket that can get to the championship. You want to watch those two tournaments. 
Uh, the Big Ten tournament, go ahead and watch it. I mean, I'm not going to say no, but I haven't seen much of Michigan or, or, or Michigan State myself, but you have a pretty good idea of what you're going to get from those teams. So make sure you pay attention to those games this weekend. Time for the quote of the week. All right, we're nearly done, everybody. Quote of the week is how we like to end every single episode. Every single week, I get the best quote I heard throughout the week, thus the name quote of the week. Now, this week, I was having trouble finding, some weeks are easier than others, uh, finding a quote. And uh, this week, ironically, the best quote I heard all week was just this morning. Here we go. Quote, for the people who think I should stop playing in college and just focus on the NBA, thanks but no thanks. Duke freshman, Zion Williamson. I love this. I love this statement, both literally and figuratively. I love the the statement itself. I mean, that's why we picked it as the quote of the week, but I love the statement in the sense that, no, I'm going to play. I'm not scared to play basketball. I'm a basketball player. I came to Duke to play basketball. And I love, I love the message that Zion Williamson is sending, not only to his teammates, you know, like I said, when it, when it happened, you know, what kind of a message are you sending if you decide to sit? Like, my career is more important than your career. Don't worry about me. Worry about yourself. Uh, and he's doing the opposite of that. He says, I'm here for you guys. I'm playing for Duke. Now, while I think they should get rid of the one-and-done rule, the 19 years old to play in the NBA, it's the stupidest rule in the NBA. They have to get rid of it. Um, you know, players should have the choice to go to the NBA or not. But as long as it's in place... If you are on a college basketball team and you are healthy enough to play, you should play. And Zion Williamson, well, he's a quiet guy. He's not, you know, he's, we think he's kind of like flamboyant and, and you know, talkative because we talk so much about him. He's a quiet guy. You know, it's just his play is so explosive and exciting. No one can stop talking about him. But he himself does not make very many comments, which makes this statement even more impactful. He's a pretty quiet guy for the most part. Um, and everyone was talking about his situation except for Zion Williamson. Think about it. When he got hurt, no one, I mean, well, excuse me, everyone was talking about this except for Zion himself. Coach K was speaking for him, saying, well, we don't know. We hope he comes back, this and that and the other. But Zion never made the comments himself. And I'm glad that he finally came out and declared and said, no, I'm going to play. I'm ready and I want to play. And that's all that matters. If he wants to play, he should be able to play. But by the same token, Adam Silver, you got to get rid of that 19-year-old rule. They, he should have the option to go straight to the NBA if he wants to. But like I said, if he's at Duke, he should be playing for Duke. And this sends a message to all young athletes. I hate when players it is more of a problem in college football. Um, players, you know, skip their bowl games. They want to cut out on their teammates one game short, like. Come on, you've played all season long, and now all of a sudden, no, I'm shutting it down. I can't play. You know, I don't. I, I have my career to look forward to. What kind of a teammate are are you? What kind of a message are you sending to your teammates and and your peers? And conversely, other athletes across the country. You now, once it's once one guy starts sitting out, then everyone else feels like they should start sitting out. Uh, Zion Williamson's taking the opposite route, the noble route. I'm gonna play, and only time will tell. You know how. Well, he's going to come back. Now, this isn't a career-ending or career-altering injury. He had a, he had a grade one sprain. It took some time for him to heal. We don't know how you know how much rust he's going to have tonight against Syracuse or you know going forward into March Madness. Um, but I hope he plays well. I really do. I hope he comes back and plays well. Has a very healthy career, obviously, and has a successful career in the NBA because I feel like you should play. I, I don't like shutting players down, and it's easy for me to say I don't I don't play for any team. So it's easy for me to say, you know, you should get out there and play. But I think it's the right message that he's sending to everyone else. And a lot of, you know, Charles Barkley and Shaq both said, no, he should play. There's no reason why he should sit out and wait for, when's it, like in June? You're not going to play from now until June? And not even, no, you're not going to play from now until like, well, yeah, I guess July is summer league. Once you get drafted, keep, you're a basketball player. Keep competing. And that's, you know, Zion Williamson, he is, I don't have to keep saying it because he is a competitor a basketball player, and a winner in life because he's, he's making this decision not just for himself but for his teammates as well. This is the best thing I saw all week. I can't. I'm so excited to see him play. And who doesn't want to see Zion Williamson in March Madness? Come on. like you, if you, Even if you thought, no, if you felt like he should have shut it down, I disagree with you. 
respectfully. But you have to admit, you wanted to see him play. You wanted to see him in, in March Madness, in, you know, a neutral court and just the amazing games left. Like I, I keep saying, it's the best event in sports. You wanted to see that. And now we all get that. He's going to play. He, you know, he made the decision for himself. Let's move on and let's just enjoy what he has in store for us. How about that? We just stop talking about the politics. This is, let's move on and let's watch some great basketball that I'm sure Zion Williamson has in store for all of us to behold. I can't wait for his first breakaway dunk. It. It's just going to be like, it's just going to be like the, the, the movie climax. Like he's finally back. Here we go. I'm putting my elbow, my fist through the rim. And let's play some basketball. So great. That's the best thing I heard this week. Zion Williamson. That is the end of our show for this week. Now, remember, next week's episode is not on a Thursday. It comes one day early to you. It's our uh, March Madness Extravagant Palooza uh, Spectacular. Um, uh, it's going to be next Wednesday, day before the tournament uh, officially starts. I'm Because the ter- tournament starts on Thursday. So I'm not going to be recording on the same day. I'm going to be watching those games. So um, it'll be a complete hour, just tur- tournament coverage. Bra- I'm going to be sh- telling you my bracket. You can make fun of me. I don't care. Um, you can send me your brackets on Twitter if you want to. You're not. I don't even know why I said that. No one's going to send me their brackets. But it's going to be fun. All right, we're going to be talking about pure March Madness, nothing but basketball. Get you ready for the tournament all weekend long. Maybe I can help you with your bracket. I'll tell you my bracket. You don't have to copy me word, you know, exactly team for team. You're allowed to, but you don't have to. If you're kind of on the fence, it's going to be on a Wednesday, so you'll still have time to fill out your bracket. If you're still kind of on the fence, you don't know who to pick, you're looking for upsets, tune in next week. I will have all the answers for you. Um, they will most likely be wrong, but at least you have an answer versus a, an open, empty slot in your bracket. So we're going to try and help you get those, uh, those bracket pool victories uh, you can listen to the Crowd Noise podcast on Apple Podcasts, Anchor Podcasts, and Spotify. Enjoy the games this weekend, and I will talk to you next Wednesday. Make sure you turn in on Selection Sunday to see who's going to be in the tournament. To make a bracket, you got to know who's playing. So make sure you watch that on Sunday. I'll talk to you on Wednesday. Um, it's going to be a great time.